Oh, come on, let's give that hand. Now, I want you to give a great hand to the Lord Jesus tonight. Come on, give a great hand. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, thank the Lord. You may be seated tonight. I want you to know. Mississippi District Choir, it doesn't get any better than doesn't get any better than this right here. I'm glad I'm an overcomer tonight. I'm glad I have been truly washed in that blood. Thank God. Wow, I'm gonna tell you, just absolutely not not just not just good singing, but anointed singing. Lives are touched and I I certainly at home am at home in that kind of environment of letting the Lord have His way. Just let the Lord have His way. Feel the presence of God. And you, just, uh, you know, when we move in the Holy Ghost, um, it's just not something you can turn on and off. It's uh, something just gets a hold of you. And uh, it just gets a hold of you and you just want to love Him. Who is Jesus Christ? Who is Jesus Christ? He is the Almighty God. He is the Almighty God. And and do you realize that when you understand that Jesus Christ, and I hope that we never, never take that statement as elementary. I hope that that statement burns upon our lips forever. Because when you tell somebody who Jesus is, you have solved all their problems. Jesus Christ is the almighty God. Are you lost? He's your Savior. Are you bound? He's your deliverer. Are you sick? He's your healer. He's a way maker. Jesus Christ. Come on, could we just worship him right now? Jesus Christ is the Almighty God. He's the Almighty God. I give honor tonight, and I had, when I came in, and they were giving honor to all of the men of the district board, the ministers here, I'm always reminded that honor is attached to the promise of long life. The Bible said, honor your father and your mother that your days may be long on the earth so the very first promise is connected to life is connected to honor and I certainly I certainly honor this district tonight I certainly honor your district superintendent and his wife and their family and their church family because Many times when you elect a leader, you're not just electing a man, you're really electing a family in a church. And I am so thankful to know and to be a part of the visionary that the Porterfields are. Great, great people. And then my daughter, Fallon, she told me about when she heard that mom and I were coming here to do camp 
she said, Dad, she said, the Mississippi district gets it. I said, what do you, what do you mean they get it? Said they got it all together. Said they get it. Said they actually understand that we're better together. We are better. We are better together. And from the words of a wise woman, Fallon Erickson, Daddy, Mississippi gets it. They get it. We are better. We are better together. I give honor to Bishop Steve Wilson tonight. I give honor to Bishop Bishop tonight. Both of these men led the assemblies of the Lord Jesus Christ with such impeccable character and vision. And we are here tonight because of them. I give honor to the pastor of this church and his family, Brother Voskis. Um, I would just say this, and I dare I'm not saying that I'm anywhere near a Moses, but if I was a Moses, Brother Voskis would be my Joshua. He would be my Joshua. And that's the truth. And if I was a David, he would be my Jonathan. And I love and I appreciate him so much tonight. We are better together. I, I couldn't help but think, uh, think of that when brother they announced that Brother Caleb Adams was here. And uh, one of the finest apostolic to the core preachers that you would ever want to rub shoulders with. And we're better together. And I'm going to tell you how we're better together. He had a young man out of his church that came and stole one of our girls out of our church. And um, they, they married and moved to Memphis. And a few years later, uh, that boy and girl made their way back to Maryville. And Brother Caleb, uh, Brother Adams, I won't tell you that for night, weeks straight that young man that you trained in your church for nine, I got the record for 19 weeks straight he has went out in our community and he has brought someone to church and they have either received the Holy Ghost or been baptized in Jesus name for 19 weeks brother Adams you train them well you train them well elder you train them make a statement tonight and uh, my heart is uh, just been very moved we, we came we were going to be here last night for the dinner and Brother Potter our missionary our former missionary to Ireland was preaching a week ago Sunday and Bishop Wilson he was preaching on the subject they even showed a small clip of this he was preaching on the subject I'm climbing the mountain to see Jesus I'm climbing the mountain to see Jesus 
And Brother Potter, as he was ministering the word, as he was ministering the word, suffered a massive heart attack. And the last words out of his mouth as he leaned against the communion table and they began to come around and pray for him, Brother Bishop, the last words out of his mouth was, I am so blessed. I am so blessed. <laughs> Folks, this is real. This is real. This Holy Ghost salvation is real. And uh, I just want to preach tonight something that's on my heart. I want to preach and I want to lift up the name of Jesus tonight. I want to lift up the name of Jesus. Genesis chapter number 3 and verse number 7. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? Go with me now to the book of Ephesians, chapter number 1 and verse number 15. Ephesians chapter number 1 and verse number 15. Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, and love unto all the saints. Cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Sound like apostolic praying was a little different than our praying today. They were praying that their eyes of their understanding would be enlightened. That they may, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power I want to preach for just a few moments something down the line of having your eyes opened having your eyes Open, Precious God tonight, almighty God, loving God, I come before you this evening, Lord, the first night of this camp. And God, I want you to take us to new spiritual heights this week.
God, I bind everything that would try to hinder one person. I bind every plot, every plan that hell wants to work on minds this week. I declare the victory. I declare deliverance. I declare healing both in body, soul, and spirit. God, let this camp turn us. We'll give you praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Some of you young people that I have seen all summer long at camp meeting, I want you to help me preach tonight, all right? God bless you. Be seated in Jesus' name. Having, having your eyes open. Their eyes were open as we opened the text tonight. Adam and Eve had been told by God their creator that they could freely eat of all the trees of the garden. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing that God gave them freedom to eat of all the trees of the garden? And he said he even used the word freely. You can freely eat of these trees. It's not going to cost you anything. You can freely eat from them. But he said there is one tree in the garden of the knowledge of good and evil. Of that tree. You shall not eat of that tree for in the day that you would eat of that tree. You would, will surely die. Now the knowledge that they had of their God, of their creator, was simply that. They walked in the knowledge that he was their creator. That the earth that they lived upon and the air that they breathed, their very being of existence was that they knew God, the Lord God, their creator. But that horrible day dawned when doubt had been placed in Eve's mind by that fallen angel, Lucifer. She call, he caused her to doubt God's word. As Eve reaches and gets the fruit and eats and gives to her husband that's with her, something happened to both of them instantly. Their eyes were open. Their eyes were open. And the first thing that they knew is that they were naked. God's Shekinah glory. I am of the personal opinion that, that they were clothed before the fall with the Shekinah glory of God. I, I, I believe the glory of God clothed them. But when Adam and Eve eat of that fruit and break the law of God, the Bible simply says their eyes being open and they knew that they were naked. You know, tonight we all understand and I, I don't want anybody to think we're going in a negative direction. But when you break God's law, that is the direction you will go in. There are, there are consequences. There are consequences to breaking God's law. There are consequences to not walking in the light of the word as you know to walk. There are, and there's no, there's no way to get around it 
It is simply the truth. There are consequences that are going to come. And the consequences, they came. And um, he said to the woman in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 16, he said to the woman, he said unto the woman, the creator, the creator, God says to the woman, you've known me as creator, but now you're going to know me as a God of the consequences. He said to the woman in verse 16, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow. I will, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow. This word sorrow here is really the word pain. He said, I am going to multiply your pain. You are going to have multiplied pain and sorrow, sorrow, pain, and thy conception. In sorrow, pain, shalt thou bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. He says, Eve, you have to understand the consequences. You are now going to have a home life that is a home life of pain. You're going to bring forth children in pain. And there's, there's not only going to be the physical pain of childbirth, but there'll be the later pain of seeing your children as they walk in the rebellion that you have made for them to walk. Not just physical pain that God is talking about here, but he's talking about a mother's pain. He's talking about a mother's anguish over a wayward child. He said, you're going to have this pain. These are the consequences. Then he turns to the man in verse number 17. And he said to Adam, he said, because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. Now notice again, he uses the word sorrow. It is there again to denote pain. In pain shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee. And thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread. Till thou return into the ground. For out of it wast thou taken. For dust thou art. And unto dust shalt thou shalt return. So it's interesting that the consequences of their sin was that the home life was going to be filled with pain. They would have a home situation that would be filled with pain, both physically and the anguish of children that don't know God. But now Adam will operate in a different field because he will represent the workplace. Adam, you're going to have to go out now and scratch in the ground. And I'm going to curse the earth. I'm going to curse the ground. The ground used to bring forth abundantly, but because of what you have done, I have put a curse on the ground. And what used to bring forth abundantly will have to be worked with, and you'll have to toil. And again, he mentions the word sorrow. There's going to be pain in the workplace. There's not only going to be pain in the home, but Adam, there's going to be pain in the workplace. See, you're going to know what it's like to be out in the field and work until your back gets sore. 
You're going to know what blisters on your hands feel like. You're going to feel the burning of the sun on the back of your neck. and You're going to really know what exhaustion is all really all about. You're going to work. And you're going to have a lot of pain in all of this. Sweat and thorns. But there was a conversation that God, their creator, in the midst of telling that the home life is going to be filled with pain and the workplace is going to be filled with pain, it appears that the Almighty God allowed them to hear a conversation that he had with the tempter himself. The very one that caused this, the very one that tempted Eve, the very one that lied, as a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, he is referred to by Jesus Christ as the Father of lies. Now to have a father, to be a father, you got to have some offspring. Now you're either tonight an offspring of the wonderful counselor, mighty God, and everlasting father. Or you would be an offspring of the father of lies. So God appears here, their creator appears here to allow them to hear what he has to say to the serpent. When he says to him in verse number 14, And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go and Dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. Now, I personally believe that the snake before this time walked upright. But now as a curse, and not only a curse, but every time you see that horrible reptile slithering around, it's a testimony to the curse of God. Every time, every time in the natural, in the natural so it is in the spiritual. Every time you see one of those reptiles, one of those snakes slithering around, just be reminded that it wasn't always that way with them. But because of their yielding, God put a curse upon the serpent and the serpent and the serpent crawls on the ground. Not only did the serpent crawl on the ground, the serpent sips through dust. That's, his, that's what he goes through and gets his food from, is through the particles of, of the dust. But now he, he didn't stop there. He said, I also want you to hear that I will put enmity. Now, now you've got to understand, here's Adam and Eve. They've been told that the home life will be full of pain and the workplace will be full of pain. And, but now they're listening to God speak to the tempter. And God says, their creator says, and I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise H-I-S, his heel. So all of a sudden, Adam and Eve begin to understand something. 
because they had worked on trying to cover their nakedness with aprons. But the first thing you begin to understand is God didn't have to come down to the garden in the first place. God could have stayed in the glories of heaven and God could simply have left them alone. I submit to you tonight that it was the love of God that caused him to come down to that garden. I submit to you tonight that it was the mercy of God. Did he know they had disobeyed? Absolutely. Did, they know, did, did God know that they had ate of that fruit? Absolutely. But brothers and sisters tonight, I want you to know that we serve a God that even when we have to go through our consequences, if we will let him, the promise, the promise will overcome the consequences. I've spoken a lot about pain. Eve, I've told you you're gonna have a lot of pain. I've told you you're gonna have a lot of sorrow. I've told you you're gonna, you're gonna be the mother of a lot of dysfunctional families. I've told you there's going to be marital issues and, and there's going to be all kinds of dysfunction in the family. Brother's not gonna speak to brother. Families are gonna be divided. That's the consequences of sin. Adam, I've told you that you're gonna have pain in the workplace, but I am not a God that have just come to tell you about the consequence. I'm a God that wants to leave you with a promise. I'm going to leave it. I don't know about you, but I'm glad God has left us with a promise. I've not always lived the best I should live. I've not always done the best that I should do. I've had to suffer some consequences, but praise be unto God. He left me a promise. And if we'll let him, the promise can overcome the consequences. God steps back and tells them what you've tried to cover your shame with won't, won't work and God made them coats of skins and clothed them and uh, I didn't want to stop here briefly and make a comment about that we have got clothes because of sin all the clothing in this place tonight is a testimony of sin. Right. And God was the first tailor. God was the first one to make clothes. And God made a, a coat for Eve and God made a coat for Adam. Now God cannot contradict his word. And over in Deuteronomy 22 and 5, he said that the woman's robe looks different than the man's robe. And the man's robe looks different than the woman's robe. Now if God is the first tailor and he later says, a woman shall not wear that. I hope I don't lock this up tonight. A woman shall not wear that that pertaineth to a man. Right? That tells me that when God handed Eve her robe, it didn't look like Adam's robe. And when God handed Adam his robe, it didn't look like Eve's robe. Apostolic church, 
It is one of the greatest days and testimonies to be apostolic. Come on. Let me go on. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. We got all of this, this uh, gender identity issues and all this stuff going on. But not in the church. Because as the darker it gets in the world, the church has got to keep that light on. We got to have some of you young women in the mall that some sinner walks up to and says, Would you remember me in prayer? You don't know them and they don't know you, but they can look and see what you're wearing and know there's got to be something about that woman. You are, listen. Corporations, marketing, will pay big money to wrap a car or a bus in advertisement. And God has wrapped us up. God has wrapped us up. He said, your aprons, not only, your your aprons, number one, they're not enough. And because they're made of fig leaves, they're going to get less and less by the day. They're going to wither. And so God said, let me give you something that's durable. I'm glad. I guarantee you. They said that that this district's been a district for 70 years. I promise you that if we could resurrect the men that created this district and they could hear me preach on holiness, every last one of them be on their feet waving their arms. Can I tell you that years ago, oh God, I'm going to get back on my message in a moment, but I just want to tell you something. Years ago, before the Surgeon General ever said that tobacco, there was holiness preachers that just would get up. They didn't know the general, sir. They didn't have all the, 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 the research on, on what tobacco would do, but they just got up and they preached against it. And thank God that they did. My daddy, and I've got, a, I've got in case anybody get offended tonight, but I'm suffering from, I've got nicotine problems, anything like that. Let me tell you, I've got a personal vendetta against tobacco. Because when my daddy was 46 years old and I was 16 years old and I just came to the, to the truth and got the Holy Ghost, my daddy was diagnosed with lung cancer and it was due to smoking cigarettes. So because of that habit, my daddy never got to hear me preach one message. I got to go to the hospital bed and I got to tell my daddy that God had called me to preach at 17 years old, but he never heard me preach one message. My daddy, Sister Porterfield, never met the love of my life, Sister Carpenter. My daddy never has seen any of my children, any of my grandchildren, any of the other church people. And every, every April the 27th, because it happened in 1977 on April 27th at 946 on a Wednesday night, my dad took his last breath. And I'm here to tell you today, it's not getting on to you. It's not being insensitive. It's not offending you. I hope that I could offend you so much that you would want to see your grandchildren and you would want to see what God's got for you. Thank God. Come on. Come on, youth group tonight. 
The preacher doesn't have to put it in a test tube. He doesn't have to have college facts to tell you. There are just some things they're going to tell you and you've just got to live it because it's right. It's right what you're doing. Adam, Eve. Adam and Eve, your fig leaves are not enough. Your aprons are not enough. And then he said this. Whether he was counseling with the angels, we don't know. But he said, let's drive him. Let's tell him to leave the garden. Lest he put forth his hand to the tree of life. Because he is now in sin. And you cannot live in sin and in grace at the same time. Paul addressed it when he said, Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And he simply spells it out, God forbid. In other words, he says, God forbids it. You're not going to live in the grace of God and sin at the same time. God won't allow it. He set the pattern in the garden. He turns and he says... He says he's in the garden and he may go put his hand to the tree of life. And so he asked man to leave the garden. But evidently, man didn't obey. And the Bible uses the word, he drove them. As you drive cattle, he shoved them, he pushed them, he compelled them out of the garden. And then, just in case man would get a thought of going back in the garden, he put what's called a cherubim at the gate of the garden. And as you read in the scripture, you read about cherubims being protecting angels. Cherubims protect things. But not only did he put a cherubim there, he put a cherubim there with a flaming sword. And the Bible said it turned every way. And it was to keep the way of the tree of life. If you dare go back in sin and try to take of the, uh, the, the tree of life, the, the cherubim was there to cut you down. You would die trying to find that life. So we understand that Adam and Eve walked away. And I'm surmising here that Eve or Adam may have said to one another, did you hear what God said? You talking about the pain? No, no, I understand that we're going to live in pain. Did you hear what God said to the one that tempted us? Did you hear that he said something about putting enmity, hatred, putting a wall of hatred between the seed of that serpent and the seed of the woman? Adam, he said something like that the seed of the woman would bruise his head and that he would bruise his heel. He would bruise his heel. Adam, what would that mean? What would that mean? If you crush the head of that reptile, if you crush the head of that serpent, you destroy it. If you crush it, you would, you would, you would reverse the curse if the head of the serpent was destroyed. You would reverse all this. Maybe, Adam, we could get back to the tree of life. Maybe, Adam, we could get back to a life without pain. Maybe, Adam, we could do all of this. No wonder when Eve 
gives birth to her child in Genesis 4 and 1. Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. You, you hear that? What expectation? Adam, this is the one that will reverse the curse. Adam, this is the one that will crush the head of the serpent. Adam, this is the one. But the high expectations was soon dashed because Cain would resent worship and Cain would become the first murderer. He would murder his own brother. What pain that would be. He would murder his own brother Abel. But then the Bible would tell us again in verse 25 that Adam knew his wife again and she bare a son and called his name Seth. For God said, She hath appointed me another seed of Abel, instead of Abel whom Cain slew. So it seems that once again that she has these high hopes as each child is born. But Eve dies without ever producing the one that crushed the head of the serpent. But several years later, there was a man named Abram and God spoke to him in Genesis 12 and 3. And he said, I will bless thee and curse him that curseth thee. And Abram, in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. A few years later in Genesis 22, 18, it said, and in thy seed, shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because thou hast obeyed my voice. I've come to preach Jesus tonight because I just believe if we'll preach him, he'll walk the aisles of this church. I just believe that if we'll preach Jesus tonight, he'll step right there at your pew and he'll begin to minister to you. Brothers and sisters tonight, when God left them a promise, that promise was fulfilled in Galatians chapter 4 and verse number 4. Oh, glory be to his name. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman to redeem them that were under the law. Can I tell you something tonight? Jesus would come to identify with the fallen race. Sorrow and pain was the personality of the man and the woman. They lived their life in pain. They lived their families in pain. Their life could be described as sorrow and pain. But Jesus Christ, the almighty God, robed in human flesh. Isaiah the prophet told us in Isaiah 53, 3, he said he is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. We hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Can I tell you tonight that when you say nobody understands me, you don't know who I am. This church, I have staggered in this church. Somebody knocked on my door. I've been snorting all kind of drugs. I've been all kind of messed up in all kind of relationships. You don't know the pain that I've been going through. You apostolics with your suits on and you apostolic women with your dresses on, you don't understand the sorrow that I've been. But let me tell you, there is one that I preach tonight called Jesus Christ. And he can walk into this place and he can identify 
He's a man of sorrow and he's acquainted with grief. He knows every heartache. He knows every pain. He has suffered rejection. He has been forsaken by his disciples. He came unto his own and his own received. I'm preaching about Jesus tonight. I'm preaching about, I may not be able to identify with you, but Jesus. Because he's a man of sorrow. He is a, he is a man, of, he is a, he is a man of sorrow. Oh, not only that, friend, but Adam would come home and he had sweat where he was working in the field. He knew what it was like to sweat for sweat to sting his eyes. He knew what it was like to come home drenched from, with sweat. But uh, uh, the second Adam, Jesus Christ, he was working for more than a living. He was working to give us life. There's one thing about working for a living and working to give us life. Why this Lord Jesus, this almighty God that I preach tonight, robed himself in flesh and came down and become acquainted with every pain that you can imagine. But not only that, the night before he purchased our salvation in Luke chapter 22, verse number 44, says, and being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly and his sweat was as it were great drops of blood falling to the ground. He said, I'm not only gonna come, I not only left you a promise because the one that's going to crush the head of the serpent, the one that's going to destroy the power of death, hell, and the grave, the one that's gonna give missionary Thomas Potter to say, I am blessed. That one is gonna take on the sorrow. And that one is going to is going to get in such agony until his sweat became as drops of blood. Because I'm not working for a living, I am working to give you life. He said there would be sorrow. Why don't somebody shout sorrow? Why don't somebody shout sweat? He said there would be sorrow and there would be sweat. He said, Adam, you're going to work and they're going to come from the ground thorns. Thorns will be the reminder of the curse. No wonder in John chapter 19, verse number 2, and the soldiers platted a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And they put on him a purple robe and said, Hell, king of the Jews. They smote him with their hands. Pilate therefore went forth and saith unto them, Behold, I bring him forth unto you that you may know that I find no fault in him. Then came Jesus forth wearing the crown of thorns. I just have to preach Jesus tonight because he came to this earth, robed himself in something that could feel your pain. He robed himself in something that could feel every emotion that you have. You look up here at me tonight, young folks. Every emotion you've ever had, he's already had it. You look up here at me tonight, brothers and sisters. Every emotion you've ever went through, if you felt forsaken, if you have been lied on, if you have been cheated, if you have been betrayed, you hear me tonight. J-E-S-U-S wrapped himself with flesh so that he could take on all of your sorrow so that he could take on all but now but now these cherubims 
These cherubims find their way all through the Bible. As a matter of fact, when God would want to guard the way of the tree of life, he put a cherub with a sword that went every way. There was no way to get under it. There was no way to get over it. And there was no way to get around it. Death would cut you down. But God began to use cherubims in an image form. When the Old Testament tabernacle was was given the directions from God, God had given them orders that there would be cherubims that would sit on top of the mercy seat. There would be cherubims that would look toward the mercy seat. Golden cherubims. That their wings would be stretched out. As if to say, I am protecting mercy. I am protecting the presence of God. But not only was the cherubims in the holiest of holies. God instructed them that when they would put a veil that would divide the holy of holies from the holy place. That they were to embroider on this veil cherubims. Cherubims as that high priest walked in and knew that as I pull the curtain back I'm in the holiest of holies. But on that curtain was these guards, these images, these cherubims that was there guarding the way as if to remember cherubs are guarding the way to the tree of life. But something happened on that day. Something happened on that day when Jesus Christ hung there on that cross. In Mark 15, 37, the Bible said Jesus cried with a loud voice and gave up the ghost. He released his spirit. He gave up the ghost and now he hangs as the perfect sacrifice for our sins. He hangs there and he appeases the righteous judgment of an almighty God. And at the very moment that he gave up the ghost, verse 38, and the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. What in the world does this mean? Paul in the book of Hebrews chapter 10 verse 19. Having therefore, having therefore brethren boldness, 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 boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil that is to say his flesh. That veil in the temple represented the flesh. The cherubims represented the guard. But when God gave his flesh, the veil in the temple was twain torn from the top to the bottom. As high priests scratched their heads and tried to figure out what all this meant, Paul said it means that the way is open. Now whosoever will can come. I said whosoever will can come. Oh, I believe I'm preaching to somebody tonight. You don't even know how you got here to camp meeting. You don't even know why you're here. But there's a holy God that has come to your garden to tell you that I have pain for you. I had sweat for you. I had thorns for you. And I've made a way for you. All you've got to do is believe. You just got to believe it. 
Jesus. You've got to believe it. You've got to believe it. What? Jesus said in John chapter 6, verse 51, Oh, just let me preach about my Jesus tonight. Oh, there's something happens when I preach about my Jesus tonight. Oh, friend, I, I, I tell you, there's nothing wrong with catchy sermons and, and there's nothing wrong with sermons that, 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 that seem to want to give you a faith, faith lift. And I, I hope this sermon gives you a faith lift tonight because God knows we don't need life coaches as preachers. We, we, don't, need, we don't need a bunch of spiritual morticians. You know what a mortician does? He makes dead people look good. We don't need a bunch of people on the pulpit making dead people look good. Well, let me tell you about your destiny. Let me tell you, you've got it all inside of you. You've got everything inside of you that you need for success. You don't have everything inside of you. You need to get everything inside of you out of you so that God can fill you with the Holy Ghost. Now, that's exactly what God will do. Man, I just feel the Lord here tonight. You can't fake your way out of your sin problem. You can't positive mental attitude your way out of sin problem. You've got to Jesus your way out of this. You've got to put your hand in the hand of the man that stilled the waters. You've got to put your hand, you've got to put your life. John chapter six, John chapter six, verse fifty-one. I'm not going to try to mental positive attitude. You pick you up, pump you up, take you. Got everything in you that you need. It's all in you. Just add water. No, we're rotten, stinking flesh. Come on, we're rotten, stinking flesh. And you know why a lot of us are going back? Because we have forgotten where we come from. One sure way to backslide, I don't care who you are, one sure way to backslide is to forget where God brought you from. I don't care how long you've been in the church. I don't care what kind of titles you got in front of your name. You hear me tonight? If Kenneth Carpenter doesn't pray, he can backslide. If Kenneth Carpenter doesn't stay close to the altar, he can backslide. Let him that think he stand take heed lest he fall. You better get on your feet and praise him tonight. You, you, better, you better begin to say, man, this is a salvation issue. I, I better remember. I better act. Let me, let me tell you, you are backsliding tonight if you have more worship in your past than you do right now in your present. If you look up, say, I used to go up around the altar. What's wrong with you now? I used to run the aisles. What's wrong with you now? I used to dance. I used, come on, mom. Come on, dad. I used to do this. We don't need to let these young folks beat us. Come on, we don't need to let. I got to praise. I got to praise and I got to let it out. I got to praise. Do you? I, I got to praise. I got to praise and I got to let it out. I got to praise. Come on, sir. Come on, sir. Nobody gets so sophisticated they don't need to worship God. You've not had a beer in a I know you've not had a beer in 25 years, but you've not had a praise in five years. I know you've not been smoking marijuana for years, but you've not been in the smoke of the glory of God. Come on, praise him tonight. Praise him tonight. 
because the promise, the promise can overcome the consequence. Oh, I, I gotta pray. Stay right there for a moment. Stay right there for a moment. Man, I don't want to backslide. I don't want to lose that with God. I, 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 don't, I don't want to just operate. I, I don't want this just to get in, in me. I just kind of function as a member of the church. I function as a preacher. I function. But deep down in my heart, I'm so empty. That's why many people find themselves privately doing things. Because they're trying to find some kind of life. Just let me read this. I'm, I'm, I'm going to quit. I'm going to quit. John 6, 51. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. The Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. Whoso, whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. You say, how in the world? As a matter of fact, you'll find there that at that sermon, at that message, they begin to leave the audience in droves of people. He is talking, it's turning our stomach. He is talking about eating flesh and drinking blood because you always know that you're teetering on backsliding when you always look at things through the natural lens. You say, uh, oh, Jesus. I, it just it just drives me it just drives me up the wall because I know where they're going. But people that come to church and always are finding something funny that's going on. There's nothing funny. I don't make fun of any don't send me any don't send me any videos of somebody shouting. That's sacred to me. Don't send me any videos of somebody jerking their neck, somebody while that's sacred to me. That's nothing to be laughed about. That is something sacred deep down, deep down in my heart. Friend, sure some comical things can happen in church, but when 99% of the things you remember about your church service is a mispronounced word of the preacher or something funny that was said, you are losing your grip with God. When he talked about eat my flesh, the Bible says that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and the word became flesh. You know what happens every Sunday morning in your church when your preacher gets the Bible out and he begins to preach you're eating the flesh of God. You're eating a meal. You're eating a meal. Do you know what's going to happen? He, he even said 
that my blood is spirit and my blood is life. Do you know what happens when you begin to eat his flesh? It's not long till his blood follows and the spirit begins to come down. Just like right now, right now at this pivotal time when we're either making up our mind, he's just a few moments from closing or I'm making up my mind, I'm just a few moments from getting in the altar. He's just a few moments again. Listen, one of two minds here today. You're either a few moments of hitting that door or you're a few moments of getting up here and getting some life inside. Some life. Some life. Here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do because we, here's what we're going to do tonight. I told you, I told you that last scripture I was going to read. Lord, forgive forgive me for telling the people that tonight, God. Because I want to read, I really want to read one more passage of Scripture. Isaiah 52, verse number 1. Isaiah 52 and 1. Awake, awake, put on thy strength. O Zion, Isaiah 52, 1, awake, awake, put on thy strength, O Zion. Put on thy beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, the holy city. For henceforth there shall be no, no more come in unto thee uncircumcised and the unclean. Verse 2. Shake thyself from the dust. What's the devil's diet? Dust. Where's the devil at? Low. He said you've got to shake thyself from the dust, arise and sit down, O Jerusalem. Loose thyself from the bands of thy neck, O captive daughter. Can I tell you some dust has been allowed to get upon us. We've been living too low. We've been living too negative. We've been living too prayerless. We've been living too Bible study less. We've been living more on the entertainment of the world and less on the entertainment of God. But I believe there's a group of people in North Mississippi tonight that's ready to get up from the dust and begin to shake it off. I begin, we're ready to begin to, sh- I want to sh- shake that dust off me tonight. I got to shake it off of me. Come on, not just if you, if you're here tonight and you don't have the baptism of the Holy Ghost, run to this altar right now. God will fill you with the Holy Ghost. If you're here tonight and you need a touch, get down here, get, 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 get down here tonight. Shake yourself, get up from your pew, shake yourself, come on right now. Because I've got a praise. Because I've got a praise. Come on, youth group. I've got a praise. And I've got to let it out. I've got a praise. And I've got to get it out. I've I got a praise. i got a testimony. I'm an overcomer. I'm an overcomer tonight. Come on down. Come on down. Come on down. Make a little room for them to come. Make a little room. I want the altar to get full tonight. I want the altar to get full tonight. Come on, let's pray for one another right now. Because the God is able. The promise is greater than the consequences. The promise is I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. That's the promise. The promise is the promise of the Father. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Come on, let's pray right now. I've taken you as far as I can. 
Jesus is in this house right now. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Touch brother and sister Martin right now. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Touch them right now. Oh, come on, praise him. Come on, stir yourself tonight. Come on, stir yourself tonight. He took my pain. He took my pain. He took my sorrow. He took my thorns. Oh, he made a way. All you got to do is come tonight. The veil has been rent. The veil, that's it, sis, go ahead. Get your eyes open tonight. Get your eyes open tonight. If God be for you, who can be against you? Get your eyes open tonight. This is not the end. It's a new chapter in your life. Get your eyes open I'm not backing down from any trial. 
In the presence of my Savior 
service tonight. Jesus is here. We invited the presence of Jesus with our worship and the word of God tonight. It's all about Jesus. I'm telling you, God's got a word for it. Would you let the Lord work through you right now? You may encourage somebody. They may keep him in the fold, in the ship, amen, for the rest of their life. Would you start praying for them? We're going to sing this one more time. Amen. And I want you to let the Holy Ghost move. This is what this is all about. Amen. Come on. Amen. Having your knees, man. Let the Lord, let the Holy Ghost minister to you inside and out in Jesus' name. Go ahead and let it happen. Somebody yield. Yield to the Spirit of God. Yield to it. If you got a word for somebody, encourage them. Hallelujah.
I feel like some of you are waiting on me to dismiss tonight. I just feel like somebody's about to have a Jacob moment. I said a Jacob moment. <laughs> Your heart's screaming out. I'm not going to let you go till you bless me. Hallelujah. I'm not letting you go till you bless me. I'm waiting on my promise. Waiting on that promise the preacher preached. Oh, the one he preached about tonight. For the promises unto you and to your children, all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call, whosoever will, let him come, drink of the waters of life freely. He emphasized that word in the message tonight, freely. You can't put a price tag on it. I said you can't put a price tag on what we're feeling right now. Jesus' name. Come on, reach to him. Thank you, God. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus right now minister in this building I don't know what they've got prepared I want to advertise it again in the gymnasium I'm not trying to deflect from the sales in the gymnasium tonight but manna from heaven's falling here right now manna from heaven's falling here right now would you just praise him? Jesus has the table spread where the saints of God are fed. The invitation's yours. Come as you are, just leave a little different. Hallelujah. No Old Testament biblical theology, if they came in through the east gate, they left through the west. Kind of simple if you think about it, don't come in like you come. 
The Bible said in Acts chapter 3, you know, Peter and John headed to the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. They brought a man and they laid him at the gate. Hallelujah. But when he left that day, nobody had to lay him, nobody had to pick him up. They found him leaping and praising. He went from laying to praising. Hallelujah. I want you every night of this camp meeting this week, I want you to purpose in your mind, I'm not leaving like I came in here. I'm going to be better when I leave than when I walk through the doors. You come in here dragging, I want you to leave delivered. Hallelujah. Somebody shout hallelujah. Praise him tonight. He inhabits the praises of his people, letting me know he's here right now. Thank God. Somebody passed me a note that said, Brother Ashley and, or, and Brother Ashley Vaughn and Brother Landon Vaughn are here from Watkinsville. Georgia is going to be here for the duration of the camp meeting. We're proud to have you. I'm sure there are some more Ashley Vaughns and Landon Vaughns here. Why don't you just make it a, a plan of yours? I'm going to be here every night. We got one of the best preachers that ever put on a pair of shoes preaching for us this week. He has never failed to deliver. I met him over 30 years ago, and every time I leave, I thought, where does he get all this stuff? Amen. I'm thankful for the stuff, aren't you? Praise the wonderful name. I think Brother Wilson said stuff was useless junk. Said somebody had a sign out one time, said stuff for sale. Said he looked up the definition, said useless junk. This ain't useless junk here, though. This will get you to heaven. This will give you a little heaven to get to heaven on. The Bible said when they sung a hymn, they went out. Man, you're a singing machine. Y'all know I've been teaching him a lot. Let's have one more prayer. God, we thank you for your anointing that you have released in this service today. I thank you, God, for the work that you have begun, God, and I thank you for the work that you're going to do this week in every life. We ask you, God, that you keep your hand upon every soul and guide us back to your house in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. You're dismissed in the fear of the Lord.